We are thinking during this Advent season about Christmas hope in a hopeless world. And this morning we're thinking particularly about the relationship of hope and patience. And I want to acknowledge before you that the Holy Spirit has me at a great disadvantage this morning because typically when I preach on a subject, God always uh, shortly after that says, okay, Doyle, uh, now let's see if you can live what you talk. And so if I preach on patience, I can't wait to see what God will try to uh, test me with and I'll try to report to you if I, unless I fail miserably and then I'll just hope you forgot about it. James, the fifth chapter, uh, beginning in verse 7, some powerful and helpful and challenging words about patience and hope and Advent waiting. I want you to notice how many times the phrase patience or patient or the appearing of the Lord show up in this scripture. I'll invite you to stand as I read aloud God's word. James 5, 7 through 10. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The famous writer Ernest Hemingway was an ambulance driver during World War I, and at one point he was severely injured and uh, his body was riddled with shrapnel. And as he was recovering in the hospital, uh, being a, a writer with a keen eye for what was happening in the real world, he began to observe other uh, military personnel who were attempting to convalesce, attempting to heal up, and he was watching what they did with their time, how they waited, uh, in reality, whether they were patient patients or not. And uh, he came to some conclusions, and many uh, people believe that, that that theme of waiting and patience uh, sort of ran through all of his writing afterwards. You think of the old man in the sea and, and uh, some of those themes of patience and endurance and waiting. But one of, the, one of the conclusions that Hemingway arrived at was that waiting, no matter what it's for, Waiting does not break us. Waiting reveals us. That is to say, waiting shows what we're made of. Waiting shows what's inside that sooner or later comes out. We're very impatient people. You probably knew that. Um, Think about how we act at traffic lights how we somehow think that revving the engine will make the light turn from red to green faster. Or we start talking to the light. Or we talk to the person in front of us who's not moving fast enough through the intersection. Now, I've never done any of these things, you understand. I've just done research. And I've checked up on some of you. Right? 
And then, of course, there's that impatience of if you text or email somebody and they haven't answered in 20 minutes, it's like, what's wrong? Are you mad at me? Think about the impatience. The impatience of a generation and a culture that created the rather curious phrase, fast food. It's just the way we are, and we're kind of sloppy when it comes to waiting. And have you stopped and thought about all the things in your life you have previously or you are waiting on now? Some of the boys and girls here this morning are waiting on Christmas morning. Waiting for school to be out, right? Some little ones are waiting till they're old enough to go to school. Kindergarten or first grade. Get a little bit older, you're waiting for a bedroom of your own, or maybe a bed of your own. Then you get to waiting on your driver's license. It just seems like forever till you're old enough to drive. Then you're waiting for a place of your own. Then you're waiting to pay off student loans. Then you're waiting on happiness. Anybody here waiting on happiness? Thinking that it's sort of a box that comes down from the sky? Some people are waiting on biopsy results. The doctor's phone call. Some people are waiting for the kids to call. Because they don't call very often. I was with a family recently as their loved one is waiting to die. I was with another set of people recently, and I think somebody in that group was waiting to live. We do a lot of waiting. We don't always do it well. But Jesus had a very sharp and clear word about waiting and about his advent. And I want to show it to you on the screen from the message. Jesus said in Luke 21, 34, Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. And I thought, what a prophetic word for 21st century America about staying sharp and focused in our patience and hope and not growing discouraged and filling the void and filling the weariness of waiting with uh, chemicals or uh, drugs or alcohol or excessive consumerism or excessive partying just to numb the pain. Jesus said, stay sharp in your Advent focus of patient waiting. I like that scripture. I think it's particularly timely for all of us. And then this text from James 5, a great analogy about the farmer. And any farmer knows, as Ken so uh, clearly pointed out to the children, that there is a time lapse between planting and harvesting. Uh, the Middle East is very arid and dry. And the farmer depends on the early rains, October, November, uh, for the germination uh, of that which was planted. And then the farmer depends upon the latter rains, April and May, to bring that crop to maturity. But in between, there's great drought. You and I, James said, are living between the rains. We're living between the rainy seasons. We're living in the drought time, believing that the rains have come and the rains will come. 
Years ago, Janet had a uh, Precious Moments figurine, a ceramic little knick-knack, and it was a, a depiction of a little boy, obviously, who had just planted some, some seeds in a garden. His little uh, hand shovel was there, the, the little water bucket, the sprinkler nozzle, and he was sitting there with his chin in his hands, uh, waiting for the thing that he had just planted to grow. Somebody needs to tell that little boy, you have to wait. There has to be a time lag between planting and harvesting. Who's going to tell that little boy the truth? Who's going to tell us? Who's going to remind us today that living the Christian life is more like planting oak trees than it is driving through Arby's for a quick sandwich? Because we really prefer the fast food methodology of our spiritual lives, but it doesn't happen that way. And when we get impatient, when we are not patiently hoping, we resort to grumbling. The New Testament word is a word for moaning or groaning or the ugh sound. And when we do that, James says, I want you to remember, I want you to remember the prophets of old, how patient they were. And I thought this morning we just put that to the test. Let's, let's conjure up Isaiah, probably the best-known prophet. Let's just uh, channel him here as present. Do you see him standing here beside me? His face is weathered and worn from years of preaching in the face of discouragement to Israel in the, in the, in the ancient days. His hands are sort of twisted and formed in continual prayer pose. And then one of us walks up to Isaiah, the prophet, and says, You know, Isaiah... I've been, I've been praying for two weeks for something that hasn't come to pass. I haven't seen the answer to the prayer. And Isaiah, I'm just really discouraged. Isaiah just quietly nods. And then somebody else comes up to Isaiah and says, you know, I've been praying two years for this broken relationship in my life to heal up, and I haven't seen a single answer to that prayer. Isaiah nods. And then maybe you walk up to Isaiah and say, I've been praying to Isaiah for 20 years for a loved one of mine to come to faith in Jesus Christ. I know it's God's will and nothing's happened. Isaiah nods. And then Isaiah finally speaks. I waited 700 years for Messiah to come. And we sort of just gulp. And bow our heads ashamed. You see, our very salvation is framed in the patience of God. God has been patient with us. God is patiently waiting for us to come to faith, to trust Him. God waited many centuries for us to come to Him. He's waited through many circumstances for us to trust him. Our patience is rooted in the patience of God who brought us Jesus Christ and salvation. Patience. Four times in this passage, the word patience, meaning long-fused. Patience meaning endurance. Patience meaning not quitting. Four times that word patience is used. 
to remind us not to quit, not to give up, not to bail on the Christian walk. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson who once said that the difference between a courageous person and a person who doesn't have courage, he said it's very simple. The difference between a courageous person and one who does not have courage is that the courageous person is brave ten minutes longer than the other person. That patience has to do with the courage to just be faithful a little bit longer. Patience. Patient endurance. And, and by the way, the context for this passage that I read beginning in verse 7 is, of course, the first six verses of James 5. And it's a passage about employers exploiting employees. It's a, it's a passage about landowners abusing and not paying a fair wage to laborers. And those laborers felt abused and they felt the sting of injustice. Anybody here ever have a problem with an unfair employer? Surely not. Anybody here have a situation where justice was not done in your workplace or in your family? Anybody here felt the sting of racial or ethnic or class uh, snubbing and unfairness and injustice in your life? See, James is telling us to patiently hope that God's going to have the last word. That God is going to make things right. You know, the choir sang it so beautifully last Sunday. And I, I had already planned to use it, but it's just so appropriate that they sang that great poem of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Show it on the screen here. You, you remember that. In, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. God is going to win. That's the message of Advent. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of Easter. That's the message of the cross, that God is in charge. And we can live with patient hope because we can trust him. I've been reading a lot lately of Henry Nouwen, the, the famous, the late uh, Catholic priest and prolific Christian writer. Uh, his writing transcended all denominations and, and even into other faiths. And it turns out that a biographical note, Henry Nouwen in his lifetime was fascinated by the circus. He was especially fascinated by the trapeze artists. And he began to follow around the Rodley family, famous family of, of uh, trapeze artists. And he began to see the spiritual message and lessons in trapeze uh, art. There is, for lack of a better phrase, uh, in his language, a flyer and a catcher. The flyer 
uh, is the one who has to let go of the trapeze he or she was hanging on to and hope to be caught by the catcher. And we, we've seen that in circuses. We've seen that on TV. And one of the important lessons for us this morning is that the flyer can never, ever be caught unless she first lets go of security. She has to first let go of the bar she's holding or it will never work. And that's scary. And the second lesson that that I didn't know, but the trapeze artists practice over and over again, that only the catcher can do the grasping. The flyer must allow herself to be caught, to be grasped. If she tries to grasp, they'll get their hands and fingers tangled and she'll fall. She has to allow the catcher to do the grasping. She has to absolutely trust. And of course, the moment between the flyer letting go and the moment of being caught, that's the time when the audience stops breathing. That's why the audience paid the ticket to come in the first place. Because that's the drama. That's the waiting between rainy seasons. That's the drought time of patient hope. I've let go of what was. And I'm waiting in patient hope that I will be caught. So, this morning, can you trust God? Can you take God at God's word? Can you believe? Can you trust that the catcher is grasping you? Can you live in between the times with patient hope? Let's pray together. Our loving and merciful God, we pray your anointing upon our response time, upon our lives, as we hear the gospel and take it to heart. With your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, I would invite you to a time of reflection. In just a moment when we stand and sing during our response time, it is an an altar call. Without shame we offer that to say that uh, we would invite you to public discipleship. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you be willing this morning to let go of what has been, to turn and by faith trust and receive him into your life? It's also an altar call to those who are already followers of Jesus. Perhaps God's speaking to you about a particular matter or there's a church membership decision, whatever might be on your heart. The altar is open for you to come. Amen.